Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor at First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and I am so glad you're here. I'm sorry I haven't gotten the podcast out in a timely manner these last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, I was ill, and last week, I was still struggling with the flow of adjusting to live church and doing a podcast again. I think I'm getting my act together, so here we are. Also here with me is our music team, Gerald Roberts, our music director on keyboard, Annie Ingram on horn and percussion, and Jason Wright, our vocalist and worship leader. I hope and pray that you had a really good week, and I pray that you encountered God as you went about your weekly chores and activities. I pray that you spent some good time in prayer and that you spent some time reading your Bible, because if you did, then you most certainly encountered God. And I hope you were able to experience an answered prayer or a feeling that the Holy Spirit was with you at some point. The fact is that God was with you every moment of every day since we last saw each other. And it's a special blessing when we get to experience the feeling of that presence from time to time. And we know that God is with us now here in this sacred place, dwelling among us and enjoying our worship. We are gathered in the name of Jesus the Christ. We are gathered with the purpose of showing God our love, our affection, and our gratitude. And we are gathered here freely and joyfully because we love God. So I encourage you to worship with your whole hearts today. Now, a major part of our worship experience is being sacrificial for our God as a symbol of our gratitude for what God did for us in Christ Jesus. If you're already tithing to your home congregation, that's wonderful and God is pleased. But if First Christian Church is your church home, or if you feel called by God to support our ministry, please consider giving to God through us. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only functioning donation option for the time being. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Now, I invite you to gather your elements for communion, bread or crackers, juice or wine, and I invite you to light a candle. Let us welcome in the light of Christ as we come to worship the Lord with adoration and love. Please feel free to pause this recording while you go and get what you need. And now let us worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we sing together our hymn of praise, which you can find in your Friday Reminders email. Let's sing together, Open the Eyes of My Heart. eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to high and lifted up shining in the 
light of your glory. Pour out your power and love, and we sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. Shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 I want to Today's scripture comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 32, verses 1 through 14. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar for it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an, an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. 
But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. In the early 2000s, while I was chaplain of Barton College up in Wilson, North Carolina, I was in charge of overseeing all the religious life student groups, Baptist Student Union, Disciples on Campus, Habitat for Humanity, the Gospel Choir, and so on. One of the many that we had on campus was actually a very almost radical right-winged group of students that was, in my opinion, very controlling of their members' behavior, thoughts, and beliefs. Each member actually had an accountability partner who was supposed to tell him or her if what he or she was doing was appropriate Christian behavior or not. I'm not sure what specifically happened if they didn't do what their accountability partners told them to do, but I do know there was significant peer pressure to conform to the group's beliefs and behavior. We had a couple of freshman parents call in to complain that their child had joined some kind of a cult. Apparently their kids had dramatically distanced themselves from their families, their old friends and their home churches. They were told that they weren't Christian enough and it wasn't good for the students Christian walk to be around them very much. The most amazing thing about this group was it was the largest student group on campus at that time, even bigger than the fraternities and the sororities. At the time, I questioned why so many students were so drawn to this group. What was it about these students that made them want to give up their free will and put all of the decisions about their faith and their lives in the hands of others? In our text today, the Israelites were taking a different sort of approach with their faith. While Moses was up on Mount Sinai conversing with God, the God who led them out of slavery, who parted the Red Sea before their very eyes, who led them through the wilderness with a pillar of smoke and fire, and who dropped food from the sky every day. While Moses was talking with this God, the Israelites were getting restless. And they went to Aaron, Moses' brother, and the second in command, and they said this, they said, come make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, we don't know what's become of him. 
you have to wonder what was going through these people's heads. How could they all turn away from God so easily and so quickly? Where was their loyalty? Where was their faith? Were they stupid? How could they forget so easily all of the miracles they'd seen in their lives? Miracles unlike anything any one of us will ever see. What was wrong with those people? Did they really prefer a golden calf to the liberating, mighty, and awesome power of Yahweh? You know, I asked similar questions about the students in that controlling group at the college. What was wrong with them? Were they stupid? Why would they give up all their freedom? This is college, a time to discover who you are, a time to push boundaries, to test all the waters and to explore the world. But these students were shutting themselves away from the world and seemed too afraid to test any kind of new waters. And boundaries were drawn closer and tighter. They were definitely not being pushed in any way. Well, looking back on my time as their chaplain, I'm now able to get a clearer view of the picture. You know that old saying about hindsight and all. In the six years that I was at the school, the Pentagon was attacked and the World Trade Center was destroyed. We declared war on Iraq. The economic crisis that we now face was beginning. Hurricanes Katrina and Rita hit the Gulf. Tidal waves wiped out much of the Southeast Asia. These were countries where several of our popular students had come from. And there was a terrorist-like attack at the University of Virginia. That is a lot of horrible stuff to happen to your world in a very short time. Plus, while all of that was happening, these students had left everything familiar, their homes, their friends, churches, etc., to come away to college. So while their personal worlds were in complete transition, the world at large seemed to be going insane. The questions that everyone asked after 9-11, after Katrina and the tsunami, were where was God? How could God let this happen? What now? What about me? Isn't there anything I can count on in this world? Does that sound familiar? Sound like things people are saying today even? The controlling right-wing conservative group gave those students an anchor when they felt like they were floating aimlessly in a stormy sea. The group said, here is something concrete you can hold on to. We can give you absolutes while the world gives you chaos. The group made the students feel safe and secure. The Israelites were the same as those students. They had been living a rootless, nomadic life wandering in the wilderness for well over 30 years. They were raising their children with no roots and no home. Before that, they had been slaves. A miserable life, yes, but a predictable life for sure with very explicit guidelines and very clear boundaries. It was a life of bondage, but it was a life that they were sure of. Then they were thrust from that solid, clear life into a murky, confusing life with no answers, no home, and no end in sight. The only thing they had for sure was Moses. That man knew what he was doing. He was their anchor. When they didn't know what to do or to think about, or to think about something, they turned to him. But in our story today, we see that Moses has gone for some t has been gone for some time, and they don't know what has become of him. So imagine what that was like for the Israelites. Nothing in their life is clear. 
and sure, except for one thing, and that one thing has seemingly disappeared. For all they know, Moses has died of exposure, and they are now on their own. You see, folks, it makes sense to me that they would grasp for something solid that they could point to and say, there is God who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. There is a God who we can see, touch, feel, and understand. There is a God we can be sure of. The Israelites were living in extremely unsure times and they needed something to hold on to like a lifeline. The students in that group were living in chaotic times as well and they needed a religion with clear answers. They needed an unchanging God that they could lean on to make them feel safe. We are all living in an unsure world and many, many people are flocking to churches that set rigid boundaries, that give definite answers about God, and that make them feel safe in an unsafe world. But our scripture throws a wrench in that plan. God is not predictable like we want him to be. When the Israelites began to worship their golden calf, God, well, he got a little put out, to say the least. The Lord said to Moses, go down at once, your people whom you brought up. Isn't that funny? He said, your people. They're not my people, right? And this is it's kind of like, you know, when, when, when two parents are fighting and their kid does something like draws on the wall, they're like, your son just drew on the wall, right? God says, your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely, and they have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you, Moses, I will make a great nation. You see, God became so angry at them for turning from him and giving credit for all the things that he had done to an ornament, a trinket, a knickknack. He was so angry that he was going to wipe them out and start over with a new chosen people. That in itself is disconcerting, but I think that the part that makes more people anxious is the part where Moses argued on behalf of the Israelites and, quote, the Lord changed his mind about the disaster he had planned to bring on his people. The Lord changed his mind. How do you feel about this idea? The idea that God could change God's mind. Does it make you uncomfortable? Does the fact that God changed God's mind in this scripture conflict with other scriptures that, um, that suggest he doesn't change scriptures like Psalm 33, 11, that says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Or what about Matthew 24, 35, that says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So if God changes anything about God's self, then what happens to our firm foundation? What happens to our solid rock? Can we even count on God anymore in this frightening and uncertain world? The fact is, we don't know if God changes God's self because what we know of God is limited at best. But our text does say that God changed his mind. 
God's changing mind might make some people uncomfortable or even scared. But the reality is, this is good news. What we are seeing in this wonderful story of God, Moses, and the Israelites is a God who has a relationship with us and who hears us. We see our God so incensed about the Israelites' betrayal that he is boiling over with anger, the heat of it an actual danger to the lives of every Israelite. And Moses intercedes, and God hears him, and God changes his mind. Moses' speech to God that begins, Oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? is not so much a speech, but an intercessory prayer. Moses prays to God, God hears Moses, and God answers the prayer. Likewise, we pray to God, God hears us, and God answers our prayers according to his own perfect wisdom. The good news is that we worship a God who does change his mind, because he hears our pleas, he understands our plight, and he responds in the best possible way. One of God's most important responses to the human condition is the birth, death, and resurrection of his very own son, Jesus the Christ. Throughout history, God has seen our need for an anchor in our crazy sinful world, something to guide us, to show us how to live and love and to be in life. The people got Moses. We got a pillar of smoke and fire in the wilderness. We got the commandments and the law, the prophets, the scriptures, and so on. And when that seemed to not be working well enough, God changed his mind again and said, I will give you myself. I will give you my son. Our world is in tumultuous times these days, and nothing seems to be a sure thing. Many of us, our friends, our neighbors, and our family, are drawn to religions of absolutes. This is not new. Throughout history, when the world is calm, thinking becomes more open to possibility. When the world is in turmoil, thinking, thinking becomes restrained, controlled, and limited. In chaotic times, people don't think they want a God who changes his mind, because that sounds so uncertain. But if God's mind won't change, then our prayers fall on deaf ears. And then we really are afloat in a storm with no anchor and with no one to save us. But thankfully, God does hear us. Thankfully, God does respond. And thank God for his willingness to change his mind from time to time. We are in good hands, ladies and gentlemen, and our prayers are are heard. And that is a really good thing. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. Thank 
Thy great name we praise, unresting, unhasting, and silent as light, no wanting, no wasting, thou rulest in might, thy justice like mountains, thy soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of and love to all life thou givest to both great and small in all life thou livest the true life of all we blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree and wither and perish but not changeth Thou reignest in glory, thou dwellest in light. Thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. All praises we render, O oh, help us to see that only the splendor of light In these days of an ongoing pandemic, shifting political loyalties, racial tensions, financial insecurity, and more, we might all be tempted to dig in and stay the course, to not want to make any more changes than are absolutely necessary, because our tolerance for change has been stretched too thin as it is. But what if God, who is willing to change God's mind for us, calls us in new directions? What if God is calling us, what if what God is calling us to do is outside our comfort zones and makes us too uncomfortable? Now, I don't know if God is calling us to change right now, but just as Moses was called to speak for God, just as Jesus was called to live out God's plan of grace and love, and just as Paul was called out of a life of comfort to walk the world spreading the gospel, God could call us too. Every time we come to this table to eat, to eat the bread, to drink the wine, we say to God, here I am, send me. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. As you prepare yourself for communion, listen to these words from Thomas Troger's prayer, titled Far Easier to Melt the Gold, and ask God to guide you in your call in this life. Let us pray. Far easier to melt the gold and smash the brittle clay of idols that the hand may mold than change the way we pray. 
How tempting for the church to seize upon familiar forms, retreating to antiquities to hide from present storms. As Judah vainly sought to escape behind the temple walls, unconsciously the prayers we shape may be calls. Lord, give your church the grace to bend from its constricted pose, that we who bear your name may tend to where your spirit blows. Then ancient forms may yet renew in us their first intent to bring and keep us close to you through prayer and sacrament. Please bless this bread and this cup. Amen. Come, take and eat the body of Christ broken for you. the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Let's sing together an upper room with lamps ashine. which you can find in the About This Episode section of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ, Christ died. died. Christ was raised. Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. And now as you go from this time of worship, be blessed in the knowledge that God is with you, that God hears you, that God is willing to change for you if it is the perfect thing for you in the world. God's wisdom is perfect and God's love is pure. Trust in that and go in peace. Let us sing together our hymn of sending forth, 
Halle, halle, hallelujah.